minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to the newest episode of Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever your favorite season might be, for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, if you're going to FanDuel, you may as well go the extra mile. Go fanduel.com slash minus three. That's the word minus the number three. That's how you help us out. And speaking of which, we appreciate you spreading the good word. Follow along at minus three pod. And of course, download, subscribe, all that jazz. We appreciate all the good feedback and the negative feedback too. If you want to uh, tweet us, do it at minus three pod. Coming up in just a second. Ooh, here's good news. Reunion show. That's right. Voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith, and our favorite Dolphins fan on any of the continents on the Big Blue Marble. Handsome Hank Hodgson coming along in just a second here. In the meantime, Eddie Spaghetti back from his hike up in the mountains. How are you, Spaghetti? I'm great. I'm a little sore. You know, the calves, the buttocks, a little, little tight from uh, all the elevate, you know, climbing up uh, the rocks there. Uh, it was a fun weekend in Yosemite. I recommend it to anyone, not even just California residents, make it out there, make the trip. It's, it's, you know, pictures, documentaries, you know, video that doesn't do it justice. Uh, and then also, you know, it was NFL draft weekend, very happy with the giants. So it was a very exciting weekend for me. All right. Yeah, we're going to jump in heavy on uh, the NFL in just a second here. Um, Some real quick stuff we got. We've been talking a lot of puck here and um, the East Division. Just want to give you a couple of picks very quickly. I already shared them with uh, with Cousin Sal on Extra Points. It was a great episode. Michael Lombardi joined us. He's one of the great uh, football insiders, actually knows what he's talking about, what goes on in those war rooms and otherwise, and has some great thoughts, some legitimately fascinating speculation or Maybe, in fact, he he has heard stories directly from the mouths of some of the big players from the Aaron Rodgers drama to Mac Jones or Trey Lance in San Francisco, all that stuff. So make sure you check out that extra points. But um, I think this is the time in the puck season is that we have only a few games left here on the regular season slate where the team's playing for seeding are incented obviously to win the other teams have kind of quit on the season largely i'm not going to say that they're not trying anymore but they're not playing for a great deal either ergo i say take all the favorites in the east division by a goal and a half that's the bruins at plus 105 the penguins at plus 146 um, against the flyers and take the caps against eddie spaghetti's rangers i'm sorry spaghetti uh, minus a goal and a half. I'm going to say the Caps plus 220. They can handle the Rangers, who, like I say, aren't playing for a lot. The Capitals against the 21st century high end team that can skate. The Capitals look out of their depth. They look like they're playing in another century. Beware of that come playoff time. Um, Eddie Spaghetti, you say you were happy with the uh, with the Giants draft. Muzzle tough to you. I'm more or less happy with what the Steelers did. I know all the pushback on why you shouldn't take a running back in the first round. I think there's a particular need there for the Steelers, as we've discussed already. I won't uh, repeat myself at great length. I think for a team in the state that uh, I don't mean in the state of Pennsylvania, um, given its makeup going into 2021, that's a position of need. And as Mike Lombardi told Sal and I on extra points, it wasn't a terribly deep draft in, in, in the sense of fast impact uh, players. There are guys that are going to pop in round six and round seven as they always do, but those are going to be the anomalies to this. The Steelers landed a guy who, at least possesses the potential to be Levy and Bell 
2.0, and that's what the Steelers' offense has missed more than anything else, including the offensive line over the last few years. So I think the the Najee Harris pick is just fine. But we're going to dive in on all that in just a second. Should we do it right now, Eddie Spaghetti? Yeah, it's also to them. Okay, first, well, well, before we do, though, let's talk a little bit of baseball, shall we? Your brother's going to the Yankees game on Tuesday, right? You, you just said that spaghetti. And, you know, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you should tell him that uh, he can get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. And it only gets better from there. Once you have that account, you'll have access to same game parlay insurance all season long that's correct you heard it right that's up to 25 dollars back in site credit each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short also check out FanDuel's new promo live every tuesday five dollar dinger tuesdays make sure you pass that one on to your brother there spaghetti five dollar dinger tuesdays place a 25 dollar wager on any player to hit a home run on tuesday and get a five dollar bonus in site credit For every home run hit in the game, max is $25 there. Spaghetti, if you were going to Yankee Stadium, it's still called Yankee Stadium, right? It is still called Yankee Stadium. I'm sorry. I should know that. I get confused with all these uh, corporate naming rights. But either way, who would you counsel your brother to to make that uh, bet on in the the Yanks game on Tuesday? Well, for starters, I want to go with this Yankees-Astros game. We have the Astros coming to town with Zach Granke pitching. Now, if you know a little bit about Zach Granke, he has publicly stated years back that he could not pitch in New York because of his anxiety issues and, and such. And I'm not trying to mock him or make fun of him. I'm just like he said, he cannot pitch in high pressure environments. He is coming off his worst outing of the, uh, of the season versus the Mariners. Reversely, Domingo Herman's coming off probably his best outing of the season. Zach Granke and a raucous Yankee, like, you know, in the crowd in the Bronx with the Astros coming to town, nobody likes the Astros across the country. They're going to be loud. Uh, I do like the Yankees in this game. And also on Tuesday, we got a special treat. The other team in, the, in New York, the Mets, Jacob DeGrom is pitching with his uh, point. What is it now? Like point five one ERA, uh, 59 strikeouts on the season. They're playing the Cardinals. I'm not going to say bet the Mets, but I will say want to bet, you know, the 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 Cardinals team total runs under. I'm, I'm cool with that. If you want to say that the overall game under, uh, I'm also cool with that because we know DeGrom is going to pitch lights out and it's going to be really, really tough for the Cardinals to to make contact with him. So like the Yankees, and I like under any kind of runs in this Mets and uh, Cardinals matchup. All right. So there you have it from Eddie Spaghetti, some expert counsel. I hope your brother's listening if no one else. Um but yes, we will. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you, Spaghetti, I feel like uh, serendipity has arrived for minus three. The Red Sox are still in first, but your Yanks, as I assured you and Hench, would come on a little bit. So this is going to be fun conversation all through uh, all through summertime and looking at, uh, at that division and the pucks about to drop. Um, in the NHL, that's going to be great stuff. I, I I can't wait to talk to Hench about what he thinks about his two Celtic stars running into each other, kind of uh, symbolic, I guess, or perhaps a bad omen in front of the NBA playoffs getting going for the Celts. But I love the heat that uh, is going to go down here as uh, as baseball rolls along, as well as the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, I do expect 
that we're going to deviate a little bit from the Northeast here because right now we're going to be talking. We will get into some AFC East and some AFC North and some NFC East, but I suspect that we'll go a little off the rails here. As we are joined right now by two of our favorites, it's reunion time. Like I say, our resident Miami Dolphins fan all the way from the UK, handsome Hank. And here he is, everybody. He's uh, the radio voice of a team that may well be destined to play a home football Super Bowl in February of 2022. I'm speaking of the Los Angeles Chargers main man. It's Matt Money Smith. What's the poop, fella? Oh, just good to have the gang back together. I'm happy. I don't know if it was you or Hank or or who lobbed that uh, that that bit of bait in the water, but boy, did I take it. I took to it like a shark to chum. Uh, I'm very excited to be back. Thank well, you for the idea. In the water, you were in the water when the I bait was. came. So it's yes. lucky the shark didn't get you first, although you're not even a snack for a shark. They would, they'd be like, well, I don't That's want right. twigs for lunch. That's what I tell lunch. people. I'm the toothpick that the shark would use to clean out the meat that it actually uh, was able to feast upon. My first question is, do they have sharks in the UK? I've never heard of a shark attack. Do you know what they, well, I think as the, um, you know, it's terrible, obviously, but as the um, environment changes and, and warmer water makes its way um, south uh, into the, the United Kingdom territory. Yes, sharks have been spotted there. Sharks, um, you know, there, there are some around. So careful if you're getting in the water, if you can hear me, just just make sure you, you check first. How about dolphins? Yep, they got them as well. Miami Do dolphins. They? Okay, um, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Like I say, the dolphins. <laughs> I, they, I like the Bills. The Bills are loaded up, but I think, I, you know, I think the Jets are interesting at least, but uh, the the Miami Dolphins interesting. We'll get into what happened in the draft. Eddie Spaghetti's back. He We could have gone. Pro's pro, Matt Money Smith, was ready to spin over the weekend as soon as the uh, the the fat signal went up for Eddie Spaghetti. He didn't respond because he was hiking <laughs> up in the mountains somewhere. Um, but now we've gotten the, the band back together, and so we're going to get into all of that. First of all, though, let's talk about, about uh, Eddie Spaghetti's weekend. Um, I think you've misread me there, Spaghetti, because like, it's not that I um, – against nature i don't I, i'm i enjoy nature where were you again now spaghetti i was in yosemite national park in uh the sierra nevada mountain range in california it looked beautiful no uh, no question about it i what i don't care for is how you got to the top of the mountain namely hiking i don't what what am i missing here handsome money are you hikers i love to hike i'm I love to hike. I'm a, yeah really huh. out, yeah. Out, outnumbered well, that doesn't make it right. Two and a Half Men was the most popular sitcom for the entirety of its run. Doesn't make, make uh, people right. But why? But what am you I missing so here? I don't get it. Okay. Well, Cheer. I mean, you know, th- there's there's the views, there's the things you can see along the way. There's the the fact that you're taking some exercise, and and you know that makes you you feel good. Uh, you could do it with friends, and then you can have a nice conversation while you're walking up the hill or down the hill. Um, you know, I think that I think there's plenty of things to recommend it to, you know, to, to you. And I, I would I would, I'd love to, maybe the four of us should go for a, a, a hike. We've tried podcasts in various different situations. Not a bad idea. Maybe a, a hike cast with Dave panting in the background um, would be would be a fun. Oh, thing please. To, panting yeah. in the a, background. Look at the state. Idea, Thank you very uh, much, man. What a delightful listen that would be for for everybody. 
I think two I have enough in the uh, uh. <laughs> All right, let's get down on the field of Bob Newmeyer. And Bob would be with someone that just finished like a 200. All right, here I am with, you know, Danny Green, who is a uh, U.S. Uh, got the silver medal. What do you got to say? Uh, how about that race? I love and, uh, my, my three favorite words were four down to Bob Newmeyer. Because <laughs> you knew that's all you were going to get. I think uh, I can't think of her name now. The woman who's been doing it forever for um, for whatever, whenever there's a big horse race and shout out uh, kudos. And I hope you followed Eddie Spaghetti's lead. Um, he did tell you to to take. I can't even think of the name of the horse at this point, but uh, Medina Spirit. Muzzle tough spaghetti. That was uh, great stuff. But they always Charles C. Canty. They throw. I think that's her name. I like that. In order to be a sideline reporter in horse racing, you actually have to know your way around a horse. They put her right. on a horse and she, she rides horse, up to right? them with a plum. She rides up to them and kibitzes <clears throat> with the jockeys. It's a, it's more of a peer experience than you get in, say, a football game. The tough thing there is that the horse, like horses don't always like each other. So you could be on your horse trying to interview the jockey and obviously you and the jockey are getting on fine. But then the horses are obviously like, you know, the equivalent of an interview happening between them because their faces are next to each other. The horses don't like each other. They could, they could quick, that could quickly go very badly wrong. Well, okay. Yeah, that's right. So it's a tremendous observation. I, 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 uh, it would be, uh, (laughs) Yeah, has there ever been like a has there ever been somebody like a, a, a conflict know. between the between a the ponies? Conflict. Yeah, maybe. Um, money to answer your question. How did this come to together? Come together. There were a few incidents uh, recently on social media. The one that uh, caught your eye was Eddie Spaghetti declaring the greatest movie soundtrack of all time as That's singles. Right. <clears throat> Which is no surprise. I mean, that's, you know, we, I I think we've come to discover that um, Eddie likes grunge a lot. I I really don't even know what other music he likes. I mean, regularly he's just kind of talking about different bands in the genre of grunge. I I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to be a smart ass here, Eddie. I mean, I don't ever, I don't ever remember hearing you be like, you know, I, a big fan of of Louis Armstrong's. I like jazz, you know, Ornette Coleman. I kind of partial to the sad. I don't, don't even remember like even modern, like indie rock. I guess I kind of maybe a little indie rock. I don't know. Like yeah. pop music, <laughs> hip hop. Is there any of that? It's always Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, no, Pearl Jam. It's a, it's a fair question. I, don't, I take zero offense to it. I mean, I grew up a lot of classic rock as my dad. Uh, I do like some heavier stuff, like metal stuff. I like uh, actually you know what I really like a lot is like Southern rock, like some like- kind of. I mean, like drive by truckers, like that I've, kind of stuff. Or well, I've been to uh, a few Allen Brothers concerts, and my morning jacket is like from Louisville, so they have kind of like psychedelic, kind of funkish uh, roots, also with so the, so the, the southern rock jam band kind of genre. Um, you know, early Kings of Leon was like that. Later, they got kind of crappy, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I it, yeah, I am pretty. Se- it's not a surprise that I like the single soundtrack because people are going to be like, what oh. I mean. People are like, oh, listen to this soundtrack, and it's all like rap, and it's like it's probably good, but it's not my cup of tea, so I'm not gonna like it. But which is why you probably shouldn't make that declaration. 
If you are no, 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 but my reason, the reason your expertise doesn't exist beyond a tiny subgenre of rock and roll, you probably should not make the declaration that this is the greatest soundtrack of all time. It is because of the point people are missing my point. The songs on there were some of the (laughs) were some of the band's like best songs. Like so you can just say this is my favorite. (laughs) People are missing. Yeah, that that would be this is the best. This is my favorite. Like when you have that it's the best is declaring this is superior to all other soundtracks in the history of music. That's the, you see the problem with the logic. In in my opinion, you could put, in my opinion, this is the best in front. You could say that, but the the idea that people are missing the point because they don't (laughs) share that opinion with you is not that that doesn't work. Well, they should, because my opinion is the right one, but also like I, but also it's when you have some of the bands on that list, like some of their best songs are on that soundtrack. To me, it's like, oh, wow, it must be a pretty good soundtrack when you have Wood by Allison Chains and Seasons by Chris Cornell and State of Love and Trust by Pearl Jam. So it's, no, I understand it, but it's like, those are their, some of their better songs. So it's like, that makes it, no matter what genre, it's a pretty solid soundtrack. I will say this when it comes to, to best movie soundtrack, if it's like, when people get into the Scorsese thing versus Tarantino, it's just whatever music, strike, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever sure. era of music you sure. like. But their original soundtracks or mostly original soundtracks. That's where that like was all the Blues Brothers. That was all original or I mean, or at least uh, covers of. Well, no, I mean, it wasn't, but it was songs, right? they amassed they amassed one of the greatest bands. Hmm. of all time i mean that's what was really cool about the blues brothers soundtrack is here you have you know dan Aykroyd and and john belushi but they're backing band like those guys are donald duck dunn like blue lou those are real blues musicians considered the greatest at the instrument you know mr fabulous at the instrument that they play in the world and they were able to put them together for that soundtrack not to mention you've got ray charles you've got Minnie the moocher you've got you know all these you know, beyond just the Blues Brothers band and how good that band was, you have some of the most important musicians, you know, in the history of music um, that are part of that soundtrack as as well. And and I think like one of my, you know, and look, I'm no different than Eddie here, I think, in this and that's that I do have an agenda. I think I always push back when people talk about great musicals and I love musicals like the the next guy. But I always push with the idea that the Blues Brothers is the greatest musical of all time. That it's that it's a musical. It's it's a film, but really there are numbers that break up the dialogue, and the numbers are part of the story, right? It's not just you know a song interlude, but it's actually storytelling through music in that film, which then makes it a musical. And I think it then finds itself in contention as one of the greatest musicals ever. Well, you may have to you may have turned things around for me, that money, because I you said you love musicals as much as the next guy, and I am the next guy, and I hate musicals. And I've declared <laughs> I it throughout too. my life. I don't like really I musical. I find musicals to be like the moment you say to someone it's a musical, I'm like, great. Well, I'm out. You have a great time. But I love the Blues Brothers, and so I'm. You're now making me reconsider everything because that's one of my top five movies of all time. And if I now have to consider that a musical, then I'm going to have right. to reissue my edict about hating musicals. Now you. I don't. I don't like. I, I. I don't like musicals. I'm with Handsome on that one, and I would positively even rather go for a long hike than I would ever have to go to an <laughs> opera. I can't. I mean, like operas. I don't understand when people dig operas. Like, well. How do you you can't follow it by definition? It's in Italian. You have no idea what they're saying. But well, even but, hey, careful, even money, classic money mu- speaks Italian. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, money I went to Italy. <laughs> well, that's what's beautiful about opera, though, is the emotion 
that is exuded in the voice and the delivery of the song is enough to make you follow along to the story. And it's, you know, some of the most beautiful singing you'll ever hear. I think the thing with opera is, and I'm not trying to, you know, pretend like I'm some sort of expert in opera, but when you hear it in person, it is, it is, uh, it is something like it really takes you, takes you, it just stops you in your tracks that this is an actual voice coming out of a person when you hear it live it really is kind of just something to experience so, i mean i see now now I'm i guess hamilton i guess uh what i i can't think of the guy's name uh who wrote it and everything i guess he's a he's a true genius Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda. yeah i guess he's a true genius of an artist but for the most part it feels like the performers in musicals are are jacks of all trades and not good at not not the best at any of it it's like they're good dancers but wouldn't they be dancing doing something else if they weren't in a music in in a in a chorus line in a musical and the same thing with the singing and the same thing with the songs even are those really the best songs i'd rather listen to uh eddie spaghetti's music than i would most musicals uh the the any individual number from from a musical handsome hank your best uh your best soundtrack um, you know, I was just thinking about that. I'll give you two. One which I don't think is, but I do love just because I love the movie. Um, this Pretty Woman soundtrack is is a nice one. Um, but I'll, I will throw out a movie which I doubt many people have seen, but I I loved um, called Pump Up the Volume, which had Christian Slater in, and it was about a radio station. And the soundtrack to that is fantastic. Yeah, it's got Pixies. It's got, it's got Pixies. Um, it's got yeah. I can't remember. I mean, it's good. To, it's I'm a, a wee it's, lad from from me, Oxford, UK, and I love pump up the volume with Christian Slater. Henry, no, what are you, are you? Have you done your studies for the for the day? Have you complete? Mom, I'm listening to pump up the volume. Look what I you've been miss- missing out on, Hank. I mean, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's a beautiful program. I need a program, skateboard for Christmas. I need a skateboard. I'm moving to America. You see, what um, was yours? And what was yours there, Dave? What was, what your was yours, Dave? Well, I like to live and die in L.A. with Wang Chung. I think that uh, on uh, on uh, Wang Chung scores the entire movie of uh, in in the most 80 soundtrack ever and it still is a great great movie with william peterson uh once is essentially plays like a music uh, once plays like a musical um and in fact was turned into a musical i'm gonna flash gordon with your beloved queen matt money smith yes. is uh is a great mm-hmm. mix of like move uh, a movie that you will be legitimately entertained by and also laugh at ironically um and we don't have to talk about the definition of irony right now and then no, that works you Mo Better Blues, Mo Better Blues, one of the better uh, Spike Lee movies um, with Denzel Washington in, in the uh, lead character. Terrence Blanchard scores the whole thing. It's about a jazz trumpeter in uh, uh, in New York. And uh, I once at old Michael Jordan's old restaurant. You remember that, Matt Money Smith, yeah, right? Michael Jordan's Steakhouse in Chicago. Just north of the loop. Well, the movie had come <laughs> out maybe a year or three prior. And... Um, Terrence Blanchard was playing at Michael Jordan's that night, two shows, an early one and a late show and a late show. So I went over there for the late show because uh, I was uh, obviously, as I say, enjoyed the picture and the music. And so I wanted to check out Terrence Blanchard, never had been to Jordan's. I went there alone. And uh, when I got there, they said, sorry, the late show has been bought out by uh, by for a private uh, for a private gig. Have I told you this show? This no, already? I've never heard this story. So I went over there and I and I was bummed. And I said, "How do you not have that? You know, what, what, that's not public information." They said it just happened an hour ago. Sorry, we couldn't. Uh, 
you know, that there wasn't some public advance notice of this. So I said, well, you know, I'm here. Dang it. And I hung around the, the loop to check this show out. And I thought, I, you know what? I'm going to ride the elevator up to the second floor and just see if I can sneak in there to check it out. And I went up there and it turns out it was a company function, the boss of the company. And it had two um, two locations, two uh, a headquarters downtown and one out in the outskirts of Chicago. And so two sides, you know, the downtown never dealt with the one on the outskirts of Chicago and vice versa. So I thought maybe there's a loophole there. I, I, I prayed on it and I had just read Bukowski's <laughs> Women with um, with uh, the, the the lead. And that is Henry Chinaski, his uh, auto. Uh, yeah, right. His autobiographical uh, uh, character. So I, I, I put I, on the name tag. I saw a name you tag. Like, why would you need? Yeah. Why would you need name tags if they're it's one company? And I did the ma- Oh, they don't. I think it was Park Ridge. They one was in Park Ridge. One was downtown. So I realized, well, they don't know each other, obviously. That's why they named the name tag. So wh- wherever they're from, make sure, Dave, that you find out if they work in the downtown office or in the Park Ridge office. So I put Henry Chinaski down on my name tag. Hello, my name is Hank Chinaski. And for the rest of the night, I got to see the show and trade it off talking to people like, Oh, are you where? Where are you? Are you in? Are you which office are you in? Oh, I'm in Park Ridge. Well, yeah, I'm downtown, so we haven't met. Hey, I'm Hank, and we talk all night, and we got to listen to Terrence Blanchard. And in between sets, Blanchard came over and somehow knew the guy that was uh, nearby me. And I introduced myself to Blanchard, and I told him that story. I said, "Hey, you know this? Uh, I'm not actually named Henry Chinaski, but here's the story that I snuck in to come and see your show." And he said, I can't wait to tell uh, other people about that. So that. That's a true fan um, that I have here tonight with me. And it was uh, it was a marvelous experience. I wish uh, I wish one of you or all of you that's could it. have been there with me. That is uh, that's a great that, story. Dave. That is the best. Yes, you have you have trumped us with your it, with your tale of adventure. Playing grab ass with strangers, but constantly like throw the, the skill of like. You know, I like to talk about myself, so it was really I really had to mute that desire and just Business, throw everything, throw everything back at other people. Like, what? Well, what? Now, tell me about you. What do you do? What, what do you? Where are you? Lo-? You know, all that kind of stuff. It was. Uh, it was but a you never got off the difficult question about like you know how are sales this month or uh, yeah, like, or like you. I wish I could remember what they did for it. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what they did. I don't remember it, but uh, it gained me access to a to a wonderful night and now a wonderful anecdote. Um, for those trying to follow your lead, I think the correct answer for what do you do in order to get people to kind of back off a little bit is HR. Yeah, right? I was just thinking, <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm an HR. <laughs> I think that would definitely get them to back off and just kind of um, not, not prod. In uh, speaking of, uh, you know, HR, everybody backs off. No one wants to do everybody in HR, everybody in counting. Everybody used to fill out March Madness brackets. Now everyone in their mother has does draft analysis and draft grades, which is a double down on what you thought before the draft happened. Nothing changes over the 72 hours of the NFL draft. And yet we still look. Wait, that guy loves that quarterback, and now he's going to grade the team that drafted that quarterback. I wonder what wonder what uh, grade he's going to give that team. Like, if, uh, it, it's such nonsense. And of course, I look at it like everybody else. But it's the perfect thing. It's the perfect event in the twenty first century because you cannot be wrong. Everybody is correct right now. 
you could make a case for any of the 32 teams as having had the best and the worst draft. And sure. there's no way to prove or disprove you for at least eight months. And no one's going to remember what you said eight months from now. It's really ideal. Am I right about that? Or am I being overly cynical? Um, well, I guess I'll start. I think, I think you're sort of right. Um, I do think there that, that people like our friend Daniel Jeremiah ought to be applauded because um, I've been able to witness firsthand the amount of work that goes into it. Uh, he takes it seriously. And I think it's because he was a scout, right? It was his job to actually put these grades on these players that might be selected. And his job was on the line with the Ravens, with the Eagles and with the Browns. So I've, I've sat, and it's funny. One of the players I remember watching with him was arguably the, well, it wasn't arguably, it was the most controversial pick of the first round. It was Alex Leatherwood. And I remember watching it last year because he was supposed to come out last year. And uh, we were flying. I think we were, I don't remember who we were playing. We were flying. It was a big, it was a long flight. Though. It was to the East coast. And he's like, yeah, I got to do O lineman. And I sit next to him on the plane. I was like, all right, I'll sit and watch you grade and, and watch these guys with you. And so we're watching the Alabama tape and he's watching Leatherwood at the left tackle. And he's like, I, I probably shouldn't say it. I don't want to get him in trouble, but he's like, God, oh, this guy's really stiff and he's getting bent back and he's on the ground, but look at the right tackle, this right tackle here. He goes, this is the guy, and this guy, Jedrick Wills, like this, the heck with this Leatherwood guy. Let's focus on this guy. And he must've done that. He must've watched, I don't know, an hour of tape of just O-linemen, multiple games, those two guys and came to that conclusion uh, from that. And, and so I think, you know, when you recognize that this is someone who's putting not days, not weeks, months of tape watching into these players in order, because he does take that seriously, then what? But I think what you're speaking to, Dave, is the other 900 mock drafts that come out that are based off Daniel's grades, you know, uh, that, that's that all right. they do. Right. That's, 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 right. What you're, that's what you're speaking I'm to. I'm resentful of what I know, which is that there are a lot of people cribbing off of the the, the genuine articles like Daniel Jeremiah. There, that, that is happening dozens, if not hundreds of times over out there. That bugs me. And also, like I say, the teams that do it well hit on 60% of their picks. So now we're evaluating this speculative thing. And but. I don't know if you guys know this. I like to recklessly speculate and I like to rank things and I like to grade things yes. good and bad. And you may have heard about that, but but, but these are things that are subjective that somebody needs to step in and tell you what the best fruit is. Cause there's no, there, there's no rhyme or reason. Otherwise, then it's a great wild West. If somebody like Damashek doesn't step in to let you know about the good and bad alphabet letters out there, this has an answer. You just have to wait for eight months, but nobody wants to wait eight months and everybody has to pound the table about what they know is absolute about here are the rules in the first round and here are the things you can't do. It all is annoying to me. Listen, have your fun. I'm, I'm in a bad mood in general of late with Seems all like of this. It. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be. Dave, Dave, another thing that the draft kind of group needs to get beyond is everyone, as you say, and I agree with you, everything you just said, everyone wants to share their mock draft with you and tell the tell you how much they like these guys. But then we're told, and it still remains the refrain immediately after, the, oh, it's way too early to grade the team's drafts. It's like, what's the difference between grading the draft and what you have been doing for the last six months of grading the players and telling us what order they should be selected in like that. Th those two things don't add up. If you like one, then you have to like the other one. And yes, of course the grades incomplete, but you can grade it today and you can grade it again in a year's time. And then people are like, Oh, you should wait till three years before you grade people's drafts. It's like, well, no one cares about it. Then they care about it today. Well, um, so, so, so let's not be too precious about that. I do think though, 
you know, there are good drafting teams and there are bad drafting teams. I mean, that has been proven out. So I don't think it's all just a bunch of hooey. You know, I think no, that, for sure. But it's gilding you know, like, the like lily. Me, for- one, of the, one of the big things right out of this draft was just going back to the Raiders and and how defensive they got and their fans got regarding Leatherwood. And it's like, well, if you ask around and you find out that no teams had this guy on their board inside the top fifty, and some had him graded as like a fourth rounder, even, and you pick him at seventeen, and you would have got Alex Leatherwood in your spot. That's just working the draft right. And when they push back, and they're like, well. You know, it doesn't matter if he's the guy that we wanted. Okay, well, Cleveland Furl was the guy you wanted at four. Uh, Damon Arnett was the guy you wanted at 18 or 19, whatever it was last year, that everybody pushed back and said, whoa, Trey back, man. If that's if that's your guy, Trey, and it's been proven out, and now this is the third year in a row, you've done the same thing. So pardon us if we don't want to hear your, I don't care if it's the 17th or the 117th pick. If that guy's the great guy, then nobody's going to care. But this is now three years in a row. Do you see what's wrong with your draft strategy? If three years in a row we were saying the same thing. That's right. I think right. I think there's something to exactly what you're getting at. There's this weird – if you watch the old um, uh, Adam West Batmans, every episode is like, you know, Batman, hero to Gotham, and then the Penguin, like in the first uh, like four to six minutes – um, runs for mayor and accuses Batman of being the bad guy and he's taking down Gotham. And Commissioner Gordon kind of like entertains it. Like, yeah, what is up with Batman lately? And it's like, I haven't done enough for you, Commissioner. I think, right, if you are John Gruden, then you deserve the stink eye from, from people yes. who are evaluating from the outside what the Raiders are doing. If you're Tom Telesco, though, I mean, like you can't knock anything that he's done because – from Ozzie Newsome, Eric DaCosta in Baltimore to Tom Telesco, you're, you're not uh, uh, at some point. So what are you what are you bad mouthing? You're just trying to make trouble by uh, by saying I disagree with that. Nobody. It, your opinion doesn't matter compared to what Tom Telesco and his hit rate. Speaking of that, I think, uh, like I say, I'm not just jiving. Uh, I'm not just talking jive because I'm talking to the voice of the Chargers. I don't know if you've heard it, money. I don't know if you've uh, seen me on social media repeatedly. The Los Angeles Chargers are winning the AFC West. How say you? Well, I think, you know, they've just had such issues with depth and injury that, you know, I think one of the things this draft did was probably help out quite a bit in that department. You know, they were depleted last year at corner. They were depleted at safety. They were depleted at O-line. Uh, they had issues at, at wide receiver for a little while. So I think, you know, what this draft did and what free agency did was create depth which they had not had and i think that's like that's my greatest takeaway is okay you probably could have gotten by with figuring out the left tackle position if slater hadn't slid uh well that kind of worked um but the fact that you got slater and you know and now you have depth now you have a swing tackle now you have a backup guard because so like last year they were playing i mean they were signing guys at the right look at the running back position the last, I think, three years, they've signed someone midseason that has started a game at running back. So it's like, you know, they've got to build up depth. And I think now they've managed to do that. And that's what might save them. Like you said, I think, look, they lost four games or five games last year that they led in the fourth quarter. So, you know, they were seven and nine in five games. They had leads in the fourth quarter and their kicking game was an atrocity. Their special teams was the worst, not just in the league, but historic numbers, like in terms of how bad their special teams was. So now that they build that depth, they get special teams players, right? 
They've got a new coaching staff um, that I think a lot of people believe in, um, not just Brandon Staley, but the staff that he's assembled, they believe in as well. Um, so I would say, yeah, it, it lines up like they're they're going to be pretty dark. I mean, look, they were they, they should have they should have won that game against the Chiefs in week two that Herbert. That's started. right. They should have, um, you know, they were up with three minutes to go. And um, it was the first big play that they finally gave up in that game. And I guess, you know, that's what the Chiefs do to everybody. But again, um, I think they are talented enough. And I think they got considerably better this offseason. Well, we, we focus largely on the Northeastern end of uh, of sports America. But I do think the Chiefs obviously fixed what it fixed the reason that they lost that Super Bowl. They would be two-time defending champs. And it's interesting to think, really, you you play what if with it. Um, D Ford doesn't line up. They, you can even make a game. They could have three straight. Offsides, Lombardi. Yeah. Still, um, going to, going to three straight Super Bowls is in fact difficult. And the assumption that because the chiefs have been really good, you know, the difference between Patrick Mahomes performance, which is, you know, uh, historic to point uh, to this point, doesn't mean that there's, a gargantuan gap at this point between what Mahomes is going to do this coming season and what say Justin Herbert's going to do in uh, in that Chargers offense. I and I think the Chargers offense yeah, defense is way better than the, what the Chiefs have. But let's talk about handsome Hanks division. Well, hold, I just have one Go more ahead. question for Money, just because Money, you know, he he's been around the Chargers now for three seasons. Is that right, Money, or is it two? And this is going to be the third. Uh, four. Four. Okay. This, so uh, this will be four. This will be, yeah, be four. So three, three. Like every, I mean. Everyone, I love the Chargers. Every year I've sat there and said, maybe not, they're going to win the division. Actually, but this, will but be this, five. Is a, this will be five. Okay, I apologize. Wow. You, like, just you, keep, add, keep adding to it as we go through right. the, the call money. Um, but um, there, there's some, every year you look at that team and you're like, wow, they've got this and they've got this. And, you know, how can they possibly? And then something doesn't happen. Is there something there that you can talk about that you believe is the reason that the Chargers, with all the talent that they've amassed, haven't been able to get over the hump and, and live up to expectations. Yeah. Um, I think there's, and I, and I hate saying it because I, I really, really liked the coaching staff. Like I loved Anthony Lynn. I mean, he was, he's just an awesome guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think there are pivotal moments in games when decisions have to be made, when plays have to be called, when blitzes need to be called, you know, whatever it is. And for whatever reason, any, every time you would get to that pivot point, it went the wrong way. Um, right. You know, you can think about, I think about two years ago uh, in a game against the Titans, you know, that kind of was, that was sort of this tipping point for, I, I believe both of those teams, the Chargers were coming off a 12 win season, a playoff win against Baltimore. They had lost in some bad breaks, you know, fumble at the goal line against Detroit, like their losses, they weren't getting blown out. They had a couple of these really heartbreaking losses. They go to Tennessee at two and three, and Austin Eckler has this amazing run that puts them on a goal line with like four seconds left in the game. It should have been ruled a touchdown and a game winning touchdown. Instead it's ruled down at the one with like 19 seconds left or something. And they trot out Melvin Gordon, who's been a holdout who has no juice in his legs. Instead of just leaving Austin Eckler out there, who would have scored the touchdown? He, he absolutely, I have no doubt in my mind, he would have scored the touchdown. They would have won that game. They would have been three and three going into Chicago, a game they won, and maybe now, okay, now we're back on track. All this crazy bad breaks at these end of games are gone. Instead, Melvin gets stuffed on first down, fumbles on second down, but they give the ball back to him, and then fumbles on third down, and the game is over. And it's just like it was those little things that seemed to happen in 
so many games, uh, along with just a rash of injuries they just could not overcome. They are that, uh, that did them in the pox. It's now been replaced, though. That you can only have so many sports figures and teams um, have that uh, <laughs> the the curse of a big black cloud hanging over them. It's now moved over to Jacob Degrom now in, in Queens, <laughs> New York. I think the Chargers right. are, are liberated um, from it. I really do think that they're that. Uh, it's owed entirely to like, well, not entirely. The Anthony Lynn stuff is legit, but the weird plague of injuries, it can't just go on endlessly. At some point they're going to catch a break from the football gods. I think they catch it in 2021. One other thing before we go to handsome's division. Um, did I hear that right? Eddie spaghetti, me and cousin Sal talked to Mike Lombardi this morning on extra points. Go back and listen to it. And I want to make sure I have this exactly right. Lombardi said that, he th- he's almost positive that Kyle Shanahan definitely traded up. They, uh, he and Lynch traded up to three to take Mac Jones. But the pushback that they got on you can't do this with Mac Jones, with Trey Lance and Justin Fields and whoever else sitting there, you got it. You, you can't do it. That that would have been so much pressure on Mac Jones that they backed off of that and then were talked into uh, Trey Lance as a better option for them going forward. Which, if that's at all true, that's just absolutely loco. But also validates what I always say that every human being doesn't react the same. Like, oh, he's a football player. Ah, oh, pressure is good, and being challenged uh, is good. Not for every. Some people just don't like it. I don't like it. And like, yeah, yeah. Iron sharpens fire, or it just makes you crumble, like it would me. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what they perceived in Mac Jones. Even though I think that's loco if that's in fact true, but now Mac Jones is in new England. Um, and I, uh, once again, my perennial remark at this time of the year, I can, I can make a case for almost any team being a playoff possibility. I have a very tough time finding the teams that definitely are not who's coming in last place in the AFC East handsome. I start with you. Uh, I think it'll be the jets because I think that they probably, you know, they, they don't quite have that. They're a year behind um, where the dolphins are on the way up and they have a quarterback who played lesser competition and, you know, probably just, you know, needs, needs a bit of seasoning. I think he'll be great by the way. I think he's going to be super exciting, but he has the style of play that means that he's also going to make some mistakes along the way. And I think they've built in a year for that to happen. So if I had to guess, I would say it'd be the jets, but you could persuade me that it's the Patriots and that, you know, that, that, that they sort of bounce back and forth, forth between cam and Mac, which by the way is cam backwards. Um, and, um, and I just realized that, and, um, it could be them. They, they could, they could fall apart. Well, you guys are allowed to talk gambling now, which is exciting. Um, and um, so go ahead there. Don't What's forget that? about I mean, how bad. Don't forget about how bad that Jets defense was. I mean, they they the that Jets was barely an NFL bad. roster, and yeah. they have not done a whole lot to make it better. So to me, I think there's still a sizable gap between um, you know the top three teams: the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Bills, and and the Jets. Well, you're throwing I, I the, they, you're throwing the Pats in there as a big three with the other. I mean, I feel like the Bills yeah, are a pretty we, pretty prohibitive favorite um, yeah, as they should. Yeah. Be. I would say so, but man, the, mm-hmm. the Patriots had so many opt-outs last year. Like they're, you know, half their defense were opt-outs that are coming back. Um, and they spent a ton of money, you know, and I, it, like, to me, like you said, it's, I, it's harder for me to write that team off. I mean, with those coaches, with that defense, with what they've been able to, I mean, they won what 11 games with Matt Castle when Tom Brady missed the year, you know? So it's not like they aren't able to figure out 
And the idea they paid both these tight ends all this money, it's like, okay, what are they, where are they zigging to, you know, or where are they zagging when everybody here is, what are they doing? What are they building? What have they figured out? And like, to me, that's, I'll just always give them the benefit of the doubt. All right, you can keep doing that, but uh, the most critical piece now uh, lives in the Tampa St. Pete area. That's why it's interesting yeah. with where the Patriots are headed here. Um, I think that uh, so I'm going over the odds. Uh, Bills uh, minus one fifty five with the Dolphins at uh, plus three twenty. How do you feel about the Dolphins now? And by the way, handsome, what do you think about um, the likes of Jalen Twyman, uh, 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 Jalen Twyman, Jamin Waddle, and others saying, "Oh yeah, Mac Jones is better than Tua." They, we talked. I think we talked about this last time. We he had to say that Mac Jones was in the draft this year. They couldn't. They couldn't be. You could if you take a dump on your on your current quarterback, who by the way is in the same draft crop as you. There's no. You don't get away with that one. So they're just they're well trained. They know what to say. But I think you know Jalen Waddle is is thrilled to be playing with Tua. And moreover, I think Tua of all the guys that he threw to um, at Alabama. Jalen Waddle was the guy he liked throwing the ball to the most. So I think okay. it's, a, it's a nice match. But handsome. Let's say you are the quarterback, not Tua. And, and you know, let's just say you are Tua. This, this could be the year. No, no, no. It's, like, it's like Warren Beatty. As well. Think of yourself as Warren Beatty and heaven can wait. Like everybody sees Tua, but it's actually handsome Hank on the inside. Okay. Right? Yep. Jalen Waddle during the draft process says like, oh, the other guy's way better than him. Basically, like two is a fraud is what he's saying. It's like two is not that good. He was a he didn't product. Say of- that at all, Dave. Oh, I'd say you're really embellishing pretty- there a little bit. I'd say you're okay, well, that's how you know what. My point is that's how I would hear it. If I were, if it were not Tua, but in the it was Dave Damashek, I would, right. I would, I would take but it too. As you would- described many times before, a professional athlete, you know. Te, you know, resilient, um, mm-hmm. understands how to to cope with pressure, is is comfortable with being criticized and moving on from it. Dave Damashek is the opposite of all those things. Right. Criticism right. affects you, <laughs> not just in the moment, but perhaps for the next year or two years down the line, that person is going to be blackballed by by the, the Damashek group. Let me tell um, you something else. You know who else doesn't like being criticized? Peyton Manning. Kobe Bryant, they're all, you don't understand what it but is. Then, but we then, use but that. It's our fuel. Yeah, what they're inspired to do is then go and, and do great things to prove the the person that rather than just focus on that person and say, I can't believe that that guy said that. I think there's a, there's a more important conversation to be had surrounding this instead of how do you think Tua feels, Dave? And that is, do you think Tua's any good? Right. That's like that's a bigger that, question. That's the more to, important conversation. Yeah. I don't who cares how he feels. Like now yeah. that he's got Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller. And I love the Dolphins draft. Uh the fact that they got Hunter Long as, you know, to be a full service tight end and Gasicki can just stop acting like he's a tight end and be a, a, a tough cover wide receiver. Um, you know, Eichenberg, by all accounts, I had heard through the draft process was one of the most impressive character guys. And, you know, he'll play. All you gotta do is play. You've heard DJ say this, just play average offensive line. Last year. The Chargers had the worst line in the NFL, the worst. And I don't think it's even arguable. And Justin Herbert threw for 4,400 yards, 31 touchdowns, and had, again, five fourth-quarter leads. Like, if you can just get an average offensive line, you're good. And I think the Miami Dolphins have that. And now they've added a ton of pieces, speed for days. We know that Brian Flores can can coach the hell out of a defense. So, to me, the question is, do you believe in Tua? Is Tua – Good enough. Is he going to play quarterback good enough with what looks to be a heck of a lot of talent on the rest of that roster? It's a and, and I think he is. I I go, go ahead, handsome. 
No, I, I mean, I, I think he can. I think we didn't see enough of him last year. And yeah, you can make all the the excuses or whatever. He was he definitely wasn't healthy when when he arrived with the team. He definitely didn't have the type of talent that they've managed to amass through the off season this year. And and the times when he was playing at his worst was when those the the talent that they did have on offense were were not available through injury or whatever else. You saw flashes of him doing the things that you hoped as a Dolphins fan that he would be able to do. And then you saw things that you'd expect a rookie quarterback to to do in their first year, especially in a first year, which, again, you were injured and, and you didn't have the chance to spend as much time with your guys in training camp. So, I mean, the idea that, that you know, certain people in the, the national football media have decided that, oh, I can write it. I already know the, the answer is just, to me, is ridiculous. And I it, think it's ridiculous of any, of, honestly, of any quarterback in their rookie season to, to be able to say, I can make a judgment after, after 16 or 17 games. Uh, but certainly after this year, I think the other thing the Dolphins did quietly without telling people is they, 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 they did trade back, Dave, as you, to your point. They pushed some pieces down the road so that if it comes to it, they have the pieces um, a year from now if they uh, evaluate what Tua does in, in the 2021 season and don't like it and do believe, okay, we've now got whatever it will be, 28 games of, of um, evidence to be able to say, you know what, time for, you know, maybe we, maybe we can cut bait and we'll, we'll go trade for someone or, or find someone else to do it with. And I think that will be fine, but I definitely don't, I think it's too early at this point to decide you know what you have in Tua. I want to know who all the liars are. There are some like there are some good faith actors who like when they get in the pre-draft, the, the GMs who say like, we like this kind of player. We don't like a guy who sat out a year last year, whether you agree with that or not. And then they then they play into that. They actually do what they say they were going to do. I don't know. Did the Dolphins? Re- it sounds to me like they did at least consider at least when Watson before all the the off the field stuff it seemed like sure. they would realistically have traded away to us so i don't know that you know wh- whether we believe in them or not money is secondary obviously to flores and the and the teammates out there so i think it brings it back to that um and then no one, had- make, no one made a plan you know last year or even you know through most of last season thinking one of the best at the time without everything that's going on now one of the best quarterbacks uh the face of a franchise going to be- become a, you know potentially available for trade there wasn't really I a precedent for that i, I can and, I think that's in, a- and by the way i think that's in florida it's clearly in flora's character he's not tied to anyone yeah he's not, tied yeah, to he's coaches, not. he really he's isn't not tied he's to players a- he is ready to move on in half a season let alone yeah. a season. Yeah. So i think you yeah i think you combine you know if there was some disappointment into a with Here's a 20, however, how old is Deshaun now? 25, 26. I mean, he's young, available. And and then on top of that, we can get him at a value because we have all of these picks that turned out to be great uh, thanks to the poor performance of Houston. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So I think it'd be crazy like if the Chargers were to do that after Justin Herbert just put together arguably the greatest rookie quarterback season in the history of the NFL. That wouldn't make as much sense, but you could still maybe make a case for it. Um, because there's a larger sample size from from Watson, but I think it would would be perfectly normal for them. And then when it doesn't come together, to say, "Hey, dude, like you said, tough, they have thick skin. Not a big deal. It's Deshaun Watson. Of course, we called about it." I, I understand, obviously, why people wish to avoid the the Watson conversation. It really is. I mean, people are happy to speculate about whether draft classes worked out or didn't without any evidence. I don't know what the Watson thing, how that's going to land, but. Man, oh man, it's just it make it, 
we move so fast uh, with things and we move on to, to, to the matter at hand, a, a free agency and then the draft. And I, but man, I mean, his career conceivably could be over. Um, and re- I guess it's related because they're both star QBs, but um, Aaron Rodgers' career could conceivably be done now too, or could it? Money, I start with you. By the way, I w- also want to see because it directly impacts these AFC you know, who makes the playoffs. And otherwise, if Aaron Rodgers moves from the NFC to to the Broncos, which I, I got to believe is got is going to end up happening here, because why would they not have taken Justin Fields, the Broncos, unless they felt pretty sure that they were going to get Aaron Rodgers? If Rodgers lands with the Broncos, that's going to knock the Dolphins, Steelers, Ravens, teams at that level that are vying for probably that seventh spot there it's going to knock them down one because you assume that that elevates the broncos to playoff status but do you think first of all money that uh, that rogers is playing in green bay elsewhere or is on the jeopardy set come september well i don't think he's on the jeopardy set because i didn't think he was very good um b uh i if i had to put money on it i'd probably put it on green bay it just it, how how do you how do you get a guy out after going to the NFC Championship game? He throws a, a bad interception at the end of the half that Tampa scores on, and then Aaron Jones fumbles right at the start of the second half. They score a touchdown on, and they still only lose that game by five. Like to me, you're there. I mean, you are you are right there knocking on the door of the Super Bowl, and your team got better this offseason, not worse. So I just don't know why you would make that move. Now, um, as far as because it's him, because it's him. If he if he wants to be a pain in the butt at some point, prove it. The NFL is not the NBA. You know, you you want to sit out. Look at Lev Bell. There's a perfect example. Where's that guy? His career's over. Guy sat out for a year, and his career is over. So you want to sit out, Aaron? You want to take a year off of football? Try us. Let's see it happen. Let's see it happen. Otherwise, we'll see August 1st in Green Bay. Oh, I agree with that. And I think that as frustrating as it is, fan bases ultimately rally around the the logo versus an individual when push comes to shove. When when they feel like, this free agent is deciding between us. He's home. He said he loves us. And now he's thinking of going somewhere else. That team's not even good. Like, people – feel very betrayed and they rally around like i say the logo that they root for when when, when it happens but the the franchise itself what aaron Rodgers or otherwise you can't allow him to hold you hostage like that i think that but then again you really you're gonna you're gonna try to you're gonna hang your entire 2021 season on a guy who doesn't want to be there who, who's unhappy I mean, with you i don't you're know you're gonna trade him you're gonna trade him for three first round picks so they're not gonna come around until 2022 so why move on from him in 2021 try to win a super bowl hey and then if it's that bad then we'll trade him to you right before the draft because those are the that's what we want we want those picks we don't want drew lock don't want teddy bridgewater we don't want any of your players they want draft picks they want costs cost certainty so if you can't even get those assets for another year What's the point of trading Aaron Rodgers taking a dead money cap hit when what you want from that deal isn't even available to you for 12 months? Like, that's what I don't understand. The idea, oh, they're going to trade him in June. Well, no, you trade him before the draft, you know, to, to San Francisco. So you can get the number three pick and you can draft, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whoever to be a successor. I mean, that's what you do. Um, yeah. Or Kyle Pitts or whatever to pair with Jordan Love. You know what I mean? Like, that's when the deal would have been made. I don't think it'll be made before the year. It'll be next year if it happens. Hmm. The, the the only the only thing that because I agree with you 
almost all of that money. But the only thing is, the one thing that Aaron Rod, you're right, you'd rather have him on the team because he can win you more games probably than Jordan Love can this year. But he could also implode a locker room, end a coach's career, you know, all that stuff. If you keep him hanging around, Aaron Rodgers is the vindictive type of human being, mm-hmm. it seems, um, that would would say, okay, fine, I will come back on August 1. You will see me on August 1. And then in the same way that I blew up draft day for you by by announcing this, you can pr- I can promise you that on every single occasion that I could possibly make things make life uncomfortable for you, I will do. And there may be people who are just like, you know what? We've got the guy in the building that we it's not like, you know, in Houston where they must be sitting there going when, you know, when this was happening, or Seattle when Russell Wilson was trying to get out of there going, yeah, but we don't have your replacement. Like the, the, the reason right. this doesn't work for us right now is I don't know who is the next guy. They made a decision a year ago to say, this is our guy going forward. So uh, you might just decide, you know, on balance, yes, we're not going to get those three first round picks until next year or, or two years from now. But I just would rather this, the, the whole thing was over. And this is a team that's, you know, for a lot of those people, because there's not a lot of t- turnover in Green Bay, a lot of those people lived, lived through the Brett Favre era of the same thing happening and probably, in retrospect, would be like, God, that was painful for for whatever that was, 24 months of Brett being in and out and whatever. Right. Let's just get this one. Let's just cut the cord now. Well, I know I know he already vanquished him in Lambo. His uh, money already touched on there. But if Rodgers does leave and winds up with uh, with the Broncos or otherwise in the AFC, the path could hardly be clear for 43-year-old Tom Brady and, and Tampa. I mean, the Rams prob- or the Niners, maybe if you buy Jimmy G and Trey Lance somehow working out. I mean, I the contenders, yeah. the, the, the real apparent yeah. juggernauts in the NFC. And by the way, the a- AFC would be – would be a terrifying proposition for anybody, including Patrick Mahomes. Um, quickly, let's go over there. AFC. I would just. I, I would just. I'd love to ask this because I don't. I truly don't. I don't know the answer. I'm. I. You like to speculate those, Dave. Can a guy tear a locker room apart? It, and and again, I don't know if he's beloved or not. It certainly seems like when guys get out of Green Bay, though, they take their shots, doesn't it, Ed Rogers? Mm-hmm. So if a guy isn't Cam Newton, if he's not Tom Brady, if he's not one of these galvanizing forces that all their teammates seem to adore and say, hey, I will follow that guy into the fire. He's my guy. You know, Gronk follows him. You know, Antonio Brown follows him down there. And I don't know what their other options were, but I like to think they had some and they chose to follow Tom. You ever heard anybody following Aaron Rodgers? Anybody saying, hey, man, I got to get to Green Bay to play with this guy. He's the guy I always hold up as that guy. Like that this this oh he's alpha male and this is how you have to be Marino and uh Brady, you know, that kind of, that is not at all what Aaron Rodgers is. And in fact, what Handsome says, like, oh, oh Dave, you're you're not cut out to be a pro quarterback because of your mindset. You're fragile, you're so brittle, you don't like criticism. Also, Aaron Rodgers doesn't. So, uh, and maybe that's the yeah, well, exactly his detriment. But, but that that's he's a. But speaking of that special event here, I told it to cousin Sal, but I'm going to tell it to you guys very quickly, and then we're going to hear what your thoughts are in the AFC North, and then uh, and then you can go do whatever the hell you want to do. Go hike up a mountain or surf or whatever. All right, there we go. Here we go, because we aren't together very often. But my favorite off season activity is declaring which teams are not going to the playoffs. I'm going to give you the first one right here. 
star quarterback and ruin a lot, ruin a locker room, all that. They go to the playoffs pretty much every single year. They never have a losing season. That changes in 2021. The first team that is not going to the playoffs. I'm sorry, Seattle Seahawks. No playoffs for you. Right? Rams, Cardinals, Niners. There's no room for it's tough. Who wins the division anymore? Who wins I mean, the division? The Ra- I gotta figure the Rams unless uh you know, Trey Lance has some Justin Herberty level kind of rookie season. Kyle Shanahan's got one winning season. He's got one. He he has he has had a better than five hundred record one time. Hmm. So you know, all these people that want to, and I get it, man. It's fun to watch his offense. Uh, it was a hell of a run two years ago, but that guy's got one play. He's got one playoff run as a head coach and everything else has been sub 500. And by the way, for someone who evaluates quarterbacks, I've said, I believe I said it here. I don't know. I've said it repeatedly and it feels like it finally got some traction. Never forget as you insult Ryan pace and make fun of him for trading up to take Mitch Trubisky, the man that had that number two pick and then dropped right behind him and celebrated like he was some sort of golden draft God because he managed to dump back one spot and still get his guy, Solomon Thomas, because Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes weren't made for my offense. I am Kyle Shanahan, offensive genius. Don't ever forget that that's the guy that made that decision. So I think before we start saying the Seahawks aren't going to win the NFC West because the Niners now got a quarterback and, you know, the Rams with Sean McVay and, you know, and I would say I'd probably lean Rams, I think, but I'm not ready to throw the best quarterback in the division out. It's a quarterback league. I mean, I, I that's a bold look. You got to be bold, Dave, and that's bold. But I'm not going there with you. Well, I, I, you know, I'm I'm so naive and innocent. I always assume that everybody's happy to be on the team, and then if you get into it, you find out, oh, that guy's unhappy with his deal and whatever. The guy's a lot of play. It, it's a, it's very. Uh, uh, you know, it's transactional, the relationship between the player and the franchise and everything else. I, I can't imagine that's good, that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are at odds. I can't imagine that is beneficial for Aaron Rodgers to be miffed with the front office. There's That's got to be worth, I don't know, it's got to be worth uh, a win or two, doesn't it? Like, it yeah. just seems, I don't know, it, it, legitimately. The, Russell Wilson's miserable. It, what it presents is, the chance, like money said, like handsome said, things can get sideways. If the, if if there's trouble by like you know week six or so, it can accelerate fast. If the QB is miserable and wants out, of, I, yeah. Wants I out mean, I don't, I, I don't think Russell Wilson is that guy though. I don't I, like Russell Wilson. The Russell Wilson that we see, the Russell Wilson that that um, we know, is a guy who will go in there super positive. He isn't going to be the you know he's the he's the counter to Aaron Rodgers, who may go in and and decide, okay, I'm going to make trouble for fun. Russell Wilson is is Mister what do you call himself, Mister something? Um, unlimited. Exactly, he's going to be unlimited in positivity and optimism, and not here to to mess up your season. I think if it came to it. That that team that's looking at how old Pete Carroll now, he, he's you know, he's getting on in it. He's getting on. That team would probably say, on balance, we'd rather go into 2022 with Russell Wilson than Pete Carroll. I think you'd be I'll smart you, to. 
I just, I think it, it you know pull back a little bit you know money says ah you know NFL's not the NBA players don't get to dictate that maybe changes and Tom Brady maybe is a major reason why the way he departs mm-hmm. New England and now this leads to where we are with uh, with Rodgers and Russell Wilson all of a sudden the situation in Pittsburgh looks uh, pretty rosy compared to all these other big time QBs and and their franchises but. Everybody's very down on them, you know. Like I say, well, that's the thing, Dave. Like you, you, the I get what I know your business. I understand what you're trying to do. Uh, you put that out on Saturday, and you were like, "Okay, what? I'm going to, I'm going to make a big splash by saying the first team that that doesn't make a playoff. I'm going to choose a team that's a, a, a big splash, a perennial playoff team with a well-known quarterback, whatever. But why didn't you choose the one that was staring you in the face if you were in your 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 child bedroom um where you know and, and not just staring you in the face but all over the walls right. as well why did you not go with the more obvious one which is the pittsburgh steelers who are definitely definitely not going to the playoffs this year well the afc is loaded and that's uh that, that's my fear my fear is not though that the that the steelers are destined for you know four and 13 or something like that uh, They're you know, destined for how much a nine and eight season like I said, there's no evidence on which to like put your draft grades. You're not going to know. Here is evidence for you. Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger don't have losing seasons, and it's not been a four-year window. But that, that was the either. case you just made for the Seahawks. Why they? Why they? Why? Why? But but that's yeah. They're are, perennial playoff participants as well. Everything everything you said about the Seahawks, they're winners. They're perennial playoff team. They well, have the a good defense. Is that their quarterback doesn't want to be. Their quarterback doesn't want to be there. And, I'd and rather in, have Russell Wilson not wanting to be there than Ben Roethlisberger wanting to be there. <laughs> in fact, I think I think like Ben Roethlisberger wanting to be there is is the uh, severe disability that that team has. If, all right. if Ben Roethlisberger here's, here's decided all I don't want to be there, they'd be way better off. This isn't a bold take, but it but I think it kind of counts for one, given that uh, that FanDuel has the Ravens still as the team to beat, barely ahead of the Browns at this point. But to what is owed this this. Ravens belief in everybody. What what have they done that makes you think, oh yeah, they're they're gonna beat the Browns? I'll tell you, here's here's my bold take. I don't know. I think the Browns are probably in line to win the division. But I uh, hear me now, believe me later. The Steelers will finish ahead of the Ravens in the standings. How say you that's, uh, I would disagree. Okay. I think we've got I think they're just they're such a tough team to deal with because they play different than everybody else. They are, you know, your defensive ends are constant. Your edge players are constantly second guessing themselves because if they overcommit, Lamar Jackson can take off and run forever. I mean, you have to have a special defense to try to contain him. And guess what? When the playoffs show around, you tend to get special defenses and they're able to do that. That's why the postseason failures are there. But in the regular season, when you're playing average teams or teams that are on your level, that's a bitch of a team to have to contend with. Uh, because of what he is able to do and how different they are. The fact that they're going to trot two tight ends out there, they're going to blow up your linebackers. they got fullbacks and running backs, and they just come at you. Uh, and it's something that you aren't going to see the other 16 games of the season. So, like, to me, that's why it's hard to bet against the Ravens. So I think they're such a good regular season team. And look, the roster, top to bottom, it's good. I mean, it's a really good roster. I mean, look, Orlando Brown might be great as a left tackle because Patrick Mahomes is great. Typically, great quarterbacks help their offensive line out a lot. But I think at the same time, to suggest, so I shouldn't say that. I don't think that that kind of casting a pall over the offensive line of the Ravens because Orlando Brown left is a big deal. I, I think they'll be able to totally replace him. 
Well, I mean, for what it matters, it's right now. It looks like it's going to be Al Villanueva, and uh, it was terrible last year. Yes, he was very bad last year. Um, and Ronnie Stanley coming back from a knee injury, and they didn't, you know, how they they have the the their um, front seven is old. They don't have a pass rush. I'm, these are not small matters, uh, as far or at least. Their their chief uh, Calais Campbell's uh, going to be their sack leader this year. That's not great. That's not that's not. I I and I think we saw it last year. The league caught up a little bit with what they want to do. Now Lamar Jackson sits down for whatever it was three games with COVID and uh, and otherwise, and so you can point to that and, and and excuse it. But you know there are clear signs now pointing to wide receivers don't want to go there you got to draft which and now they now they went and got him one kind of like Bateman, you know by all accounts everyone you talk to you know he's polished he's pro ready we've seen wide receivers before it seemed to take them a year year and a half sometimes two three seasons before they get comfortable now we're seeing wide receivers make an impact immediately you know justin jefferson last year could have been rookie of the year up in minnesota so um, you know, they sign whether or not Sammy Watkins can stay healthy. I don't know, but I think just if you can get Hollywood Brown and not be your number one, you know, and have either Bateman or Watkins step up as kind of that better all around outside receiver, I think Brown can be a legitimate weapon now. I mean, it all look comes down to, and, and it's so funny, like now we're trading roles. You would always come at me for, uh, now do you believe in Lamar Jackson? Now can he throw outside the hashes? And I would have to say, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him not just throw down the seam and take off and run, and that'd be their offense in order to be able to attack the way defenses are going to play him. But um, I just think regular season-wise, they're they're a nightmare. They really are, you know. So I, I think they're destined for 11 wins in this 17-game season now. It is like we talk about it. It is, the Paul, it is the Paul Johnson um, at Navy and uh, at uh, Georgia Tech Georgia effect. Tech. It, like, you, you know, whatever else you want to say about them, if you had to play that, it was such a handful to deal with that it would linger the following week, too. And I, I get what I, I buy all that. I just think that the league is slightly caught up with it a little bit. And now it's Lamar Jackson. It's exactly like we always talk about the, the, the DJ and otherwise. The QBs come in, they jump the league, a lot of the talented ones. Then defenses adjust, and now it's back on the QB to make the adjustment back to the defensive adjustments, taking away what you want to do. Lamar Jackson has yet to show he can do that. So we'll see about that. Handsome, Baker Mayfield is the X factor of the whole division, maybe even the whole conference. Well, that's too much, I guess, because it's still the Chiefs. But the – the the Browns' chances of going to the next level and not being a fun story for their low expect uh, low expectation having fans like Mark Sessler who celebrate uh, a, a wild card victory as though it, it, it's the equal of a Super wild Bowl card victory. victory against two. Remind me. Listen, the the all this tumult on the banks of the Three Rivers is owed to Marquise Pouncey snapping the ball over the head of the quarterback on the first play. I don't I, if you could take that one back. I'd love really? the what if. That, that one play that was it. I think I saw about I remember like other a bunch plays. more plays after that that Roethlisberger Jeff- threw the single worst pass I've seen of his career and he's thrown some stinkers. The worst pass he threw was his second was his first interception. The first one he sailed over I forget if it was the first or second one. They were not neither one was a great ball, but the one was the single worst pass I've seen. Um, I do, though, think that uh, that that spooked them collectively. Like, what the hell? But 
Marquise Pouncey is one of those guys. That's a classic thing. I don't know anything about offensive linemen. I think people love to hear, fans and otherwise, even, even analysts. Well, Mark P- Marquise Pouncey, he's an all-pro. He's a dominant center. He was bad. He was a deficit for them, as was Al Villanueva. They're hanging their hats on, the, on those guys going into the season. By the end of it, they were trying to hide two-fifths of their offensive line. They were terrible. And they were, ah, he's the ultimate warrior, so they have to rally around him. But the fact hey, wait of the a matter, minute, why, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why didn't why didn't Mike Munchak just coach him up? Because Munchak's in uh, Denver, friend. Oh! He's been- As a unit, this goes from being one of the best in the league to one of the most vulnerable offensive lines in the league. So maybe it wasn't just individuals, but it's all five fingers on that glove because of the guy that was holding it all together. So to think that that's somehow going to be remedied, uh, this season, I think it's clear we saw what happened, what the tipping point was on that particular position group and when it went downhill and how quickly, not to mention Garrett Bowles was considered the biggest bust, one of the worst left tackles in the league. Guy makes the Pro Bowl last year, ends up getting a $60 million. Who's this coach? You know, so that's the one I look at. I'm like, this used to I be agree. one of the, that's what, like you said, you hung your hat on it and now you don't. I agree. I'm not going to argue with you about uh, the absence of Munchak. It's a little deep in the weeds to be arguing about a line coach as the uh, as the big difference. But it's uh, it's impossible to argue with that. Although I will say now I will argue with it because even when they had Levy and Bell and Mike Munchak and that offensive line intact in 2017, they regressed significantly. It's in, in our minds. It's one of those things. Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers run the ball a lot. They didn't run the ball particularly well in 2017 with Levy and Bell still in the mix. So anyway, handsome. What the, that's rearview mirror. Baker Mayfield, though, do you buy him as the man? Because the rest of that roster is loaded, it seems. It seems the only question is, does Baker Mayfield elevate from middle of the pack among NFL QBs and, and elevate into the top 10 to carry this team to be a real dangerous Super Bowl threat? I, I don't buy him as the man yet. And I, but I think they've done a fantastic job of surrounding him with the type of talent that means that a guy that isn't a top 10 quarterback can still you know, get you deep into the playoffs or even win you a Super Bowl. And I, you know, we've seen that plenty of times through, through NFL history is that you don't have to be the number one quarterback, the number two quarterback in the league if you've got the talent around you. They've got a, a great offensive line now. They've got a really solid running game. They've got receivers that do all the different things that you'd want receivers to do. And their defense um, is, I think, you know, front to back um, can, you know, can, can play with anyone. So I, I, I don't think you necessarily need Baker Mayfield to be the man. I think you need him to be you know, boring, but like someone who doesn't lose you a game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he doesn't have to be special. If you think about Tom Brady, Tom Brady is special right. because of the moments in which it happens. It's not the the particular throws necessarily that you swoon over. It's the moments in which those throws are happening. I guess that's exactly. well, that, that's a tall order to live up to. All you have to do is be like Tom Brady. Um, and you'll be fine. Last thing, NFC East, did Eddie Spaghetti's New York Giants get closer to division crown or get further away? Money, I start with you. I like the draft. I definitely like their draft. I like, you know, I mean, combined with free agency, you know, you bring in Galladay to be your number one. You add Tony, who is kind of this gadget. Not, I hate saying gadget because it diminishes kind of what they are. But, man, he's you can unlock that. He kind of slid a little bit because I think there were just some – sort of, you know, concerns, off-the-field concerns. But, you know, talent-wise, he's freaking great. He, that's a perfect addition, I think, to that group of receivers. Um, I like oh, the Ojolari pick. I heard there was a late medical. That's the only reason why he slipped. But otherwise, he was a first-round talent. So, 
love their draft. I like what they did in free agency. To me, it's the same thing um, that a lot of the, you know, that, that Hank's Dolphins are, are dealing with. Okay. Well, now Daniel Jones got everything. He's, he's got, they've invested in the offensive line. They've got enough pass catchers. Saquon's going to be back healthy. If Jones ain't it, time to draft the quarterback next year because he ain't it. So that's probably what it'll revolve around because I, I love their defense. I love their defensive coordinator. Um, I shouldn't say I love their defense. I like their defense. I, I think they have enough pieces and they have a very good coach on that side of the ball. So like to me, I, yeah, I, it just, if we're just talking draft, I like, I mean, I definitely like what they were able to do. More likely that Philadelphia or the New York Giants is looking for a new quarterback come 2022. Are both teams happy, both teams sad, or one or the other? Go ahead, handsome Hank. Um, I think the Eagles are looking for a new quarterback. I agree. I, I think well, I think actually both of them are. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? And that in this division, I mean, the only real threat. I mean, yeah, I, I Eagles, you want to do no plans for you. Eagles and in, in, in Washington to me are not going to come close. I think it's a two, two huh. horse race um, and kind of echoing what Mike just said. It's up to Daniel Jones. He has the weapons. He has everything in place. Uh, if he's in the, if he's the guy, the Giants could be serious contenders to win the division this year. If not, it's the Cowboys easily. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Cowboys should uh, stretch out and become bigger favorites uh, over these next couple of months. Um, money. Last thing is uh, also that we can talk about. Do you feel? Do you feel that? Uh, listen, we all have our passions, but I say zealots ruin everything. Um, do you feel Eddie Spaghetti goes too far at the age of twenty-eight to have been to? I think he counted twenty-five Pearl Jam shows in his young life. Or as somebody who saw, how many times have you seen The Dead in your life? Oh, that's a good bet there. Actually, if you would get the actual number, by what's the, the number? What's the number, Eddie? I think exact. It's like low twenties exactly. Uh, uh, I, thought, I, got, I thought Dave said twenty-eight because I, I am at twenty-eight dead shows. Yeah, I did is that right? Twenty-eight is yeah. more than me. I'm low twenties. Yeah, I did twenty-eight. So there you go. So what do you have? Any words of encouragement, do's and don'ts for a recurring uh, show um, attendee? I don't know. I, I guess for me, like, you know, the dead shows were all, they weren't like, uh, like Eddie's are spaced out right over the years, you know, whereas mine were packed in. It was like, Oh, this one's oh, on the road. Right. I yeah. went to three, three and three. So there's nine of them right there. in one summer, um, you know, I went to those Vegas shows twice, three at a time. That's six right there in two different years. So that's the difference, right? I, you know, Pearl Jam doesn't work that way. So I think, um, but, you know, I have friends and look, I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I don't like them, but um, I have friends that are the same way that, that go to a ton of Pearl Jam shows and they were deadheads, too. So I don't know. I, I guess it is odd for me to think of them that way, that like it's a band that you want to go see live, you know, that often, like anytime they come through town or you're willing to travel. Oh, I'll go down to San Diego. If we're here in L.A., Eddie will go to San Diego or maybe he'll go out to Vegas or go to Phoenix or something like that. Just kind of if it's close geographically, he'll he'll hit it up. It's just so weird for me to think of them that way. Well, they don't um, sound the same, but the surroundings are the same with keeping set lists and uh, and all that kind of stuff that their adv- that their zealots do. Um, what I about the think, drugs? What I think that's a good question. I don't know. Is it what? What's the drug use like in uh, at Pearl Jam show spaghetti? 
we're, we, we could talk about it. I mean, yeah, I could share. I mean, I, I think it's kind of similar to the, the dead stuff. maybe not with the psychedelics, but I've seen stuff in, well, oh, that's, that's a big difference. I mean, I think there's some people that do use them if they're in the, uh, in the pit, I've seen, uh, some stuff in the parking lots, uh, you know, gases, stuff of that nature. And I've seen, I know I've certainly smelt a lot of stuff, uh, within arenas. So it's, I think it's kind of in the same wave. Like there's a, the Venn diagram between the deadheads and the, you know, the Pearl Jam fans are, I think it's, there's a lot of, uh, common like dave was saying really? a lot of, yeah a lot of people a lot, a lot of a lot ah, of dead a lot of dead shirts a lot of like people on the you know the message boards are all very you know in the same uh it's very very, very I, guess they, I guess there's the white guy factor right it's white guys it's yeah. funny i used to point out to people when they would say uh about pavements later records like bright in the corners and uh tear twilight i would say there's such a sound of uh the the dead in there and the and fish in in the way these songs sound and and the hipsters balked at that how dare you compare our beloved pavement to to those jam bands and then steve malkmus in some interview mentioned how much he heard the similarities in that and i felt validated by that he did a a great cover on i can't remember what the name of the album is but they did a big dead cover album with a lot of indie rocks and he did an unbelievable cover of um of i know you writer no way um, i didn't it's amazing it's amazing you yeah you absolutely what's it called dead the dead um yeah, look it up just look up malcolmus um because it's china cat into i know you writer and that's my favorite that's my favorite live dead record like dead song to play that transition between china cat and i know you're right money excellent stuff as always we really Loved appreciate it. the time uh let's do it again before things kick off uh in september maybe we can even get a couple in but go to your doctor um the great matt money smith everybody make sure you're checking them out with uh, petros on pms iheart radio track it down or if you're lucky enough to be in la listen to them live on the radio best uh, best radio show going there and Eddie Spaghetti, what do you say? We'll uh, we'll wrap it up right here. I guess we've got more than uh, enough, right? Yeah, we could wrap it up here. Well, any other parting comments or whatever you need, we could we could fit those in. Um, no, I th- I think that's it. I think I'll, okay. I'll 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 hold my tongue here. Did you feel like that was a good episode with uh, with the reunion? It was great. Um, People and- have high expectations for the reunion show, so I you know I want to make sure it at least at least meets your minimum standard. It was a great time to do it. Uh, obviously, post NFL draft, I think the Chargers had a very, very good draft, and I think the Dolphins may have my favorite draft out of any of the teams uh, that that did uh, partake in this draft. And I, you know, in terms of Fanduel, and we're talking AFC East and who's going to finish last. I, you could convince me that the Dolphins could finish first this year. They could be a surprise team. I can see the Bills kind of slacking a little bit. Not that Josh Allen and, and company are going to be a bad team, but I think that. What the Dolphins did, uh, what they have in place with Flores, who sets the tone, and then you go and draft in the first three picks, you get Eichenberg, like Hank mentioned, who, you know, him and Austin Jackson, the bookends, then you have Jalen Waddell, who, by the way, if he doesn't get hurt, we're not really talking about Devontae Smith whatsoever. Jalen Waddell was the guy. And then you go and add Jalen Phillips in the end of the first round, who would have been a top five to seven pick without his you know concussion issues. One of the best edge rushers in this draft class. That's a really solid first three picks, but the good uh, roster already. I would put whatever the odds are right now. I like the Dolphins going into 2021 to win the division. Wow, that's a good bold one to end on there. So uh, bet that if you want, uh, fanduel.com slash minus three. One last time, the word minus. The number three is how you do it. We'll be back in 48 hours. Actually, 
maybe 72 hours this week since we went a little early this week with Hench. I'm sure we'll have some good uh, Yankees v. Red Sox talk as uh, the NHL playoffs get ever closer. We're going to have some good Bruins. Oh, the big bad Bruins are living up to that uh, little nickname there. In the East Division, we'll have all that for you. Spaghetti and meatballs breaking down the, the last days of the regular season in the East Division in the NHL before the drop of the playoff puck. Um, so stick around, subscribe, download, share with your friends, all that. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.